Welcome to Uncanonical, the Kinship Podcast. When something is canonical or accepted as canon, it refers to any inspired writings accepted as Holy Scripture. This is not that. This is stories of faith, stories of loss, and biblical stories told with many liberties taken. My name is Jacqueline, and today I have the privilege of sitting down and chatting with my good friend Bryce. Hi, Bryce. Hello, hello. Welcome to the closet. Thank you. <laughs> so glad <laughs> that you could be here with us today. We have known each other for, I think, yeah, over 10 years over now. 10 years. Yeah, yeah, at time of recording. And throughout those 10 years, I've really had the privilege of working alongside you in a bunch of different ministry capacities, too. Yep. More than anything, actually, from camp to young adults to tech. Some of those are <laughs> ongoing <laughs> ministries that we're working on together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been great to hear a lot of your story and now be able to share some of that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, personally, I'm a huge nerd. Mm -hmm. My favorite kind of people. Yeah, I love anything from board games to video games, big anime fan. Like, I'm a huge fan of d and I, <laughs> I know your brother yep. loves it as well. Yeah, me and my brother, you and my brother both. Yeah, it's just so much fun. And I'm, thankfully, now that things are getting a little bit better, you know, I'm playing a lot more, which is nice. Yeah, You and my brother have matching hairstyles right now, too. Oh, yes, I guess that's true. Besides D&D, which, like, classic, favorite video games, animes? Favorite video game, probably the one that always comes to my mind is a JRPG, Japanese RPG. Thank so, you. Japanese role-playing game. <laughs> Um, essentially it's like Final Fantasy. Okay. Classic. Final Fantasy is, a. Uh, it's not Final Fantasy, but it's same category. Right. Uh, it's called Tales of the Abyss. Hmm. Uh, primarily played that with my best friend, Jesse, for, uh, I think 300 plus hours. It was a multiplayer game, but it was primarily story driven. Hmm. And so on weekends and stuff like that, we would get together and hang out, spend the weekend together and just play the game playing the story we'd done like three times over already, nice. but looking for every detail we could and it was just probably one of the most fun times i've ever had nice hanging out um tell us a little bit about your backstory where are you from born in prince george you know uh small little town in the north pretty much moved to Kelowna uh right away i lived in Kelowna for till i was 24 in the 22 years i think i moved 20 to 24 times oh my goodness which means you must have moved a couple years, like many times in yeah. that year. Yeah, mostly kind of when I was living on my own. And you had a very interesting young adult journey, which we will get to. We will get to. We will get to. Um, but let's dive in a little bit earlier than that, back to the beginning. Tell us a bit about your faith background. What was your church experience like growing up? Uh, my church was a pretty small church. On a good day, you get like 50 people, maybe. Uh, but it was a, what's the word? conservative fundamental fundamental that's i think the better term for it yeah yeah growing up it was all right i mean my parents were primarily the drivers for going to church i didn't have any church friends which is hard because there's like when a church is that size it often goes that way yeah i mean like i had two older sisters uh and the oldest had a lot of kids her age going to church you know she would bring her friends and things like that and they would get together and do group activities but i was there was a think uh five-year difference between us yeah which when you're young it's a big difference huge difference anything four and over i find is like a big marker for socializing or not socializing yeah so i didn't have any friends to go to church with uh, i think when i was around 16 my parents split which caused trouble at the church 
because they're pretty traditional. Uh, my dad was a leader in the church, mm. but because he now was no longer married. Can't be a leader in the church. Or something like that. I mean, I was younger still and I didn't, I had my own things to worry about. I didn't really pay Get attention to the politics. To the politics of yeah. It, you know. Dropped out of school, was still kind of going to church, but for the most part was primarily uninterested. So you're primarily uninterested in the church, but here we are many years later and you are actively involved in your faith and at your church. What happened to change that for you? One thing that did happen that was pretty interesting, church related, my uncle, we were at a Wendy's, me, my dad and him, we were having lunch or dinner or something, can't remember. And I had a fear of doomsday, a doomsday fear. Oh yeah. I remember I was at my sister's house and the, they were watching the Discovery Channel and it was like, in five billion years, the sun's going to explode and we're all going to die. And it gave me an anxiety attack. Oh, no. You're like, five billion years. I won't be here. But what if the sun <laughs> like, explodes? Like just the concept of the world ending and everything just being disembolished just like gave me an anxiety attack. And I was like, it was like, it didn't happen very often because people don't talk about that very much. And then we're sitting at this Wendy's having food and he's a conspiracy theorist. And he starts talking about the Illuminati. Oh, good. And... The trains and the numbers and the barcodes and everything. And I started to have a panic attack oh, in the no. middle of... And I was like, okay, excuse me, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. I got up, left. And before that, I was a young kid, taught to pray and things like that, taught the stories, but never really... Did it. Did it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll say my prayers when I go to bed. Probably Whatever. felt irrelevant since you weren't that connected to your church experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember I was went to the bathroom and I was like just having a panic attack and I was freaking out and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try. I'll try praying. So I prayed. I was like, God, I'm freaking out right now. I just need you to take this from me. Gone. Instantaneously. Wow. Never had doomsday problems since. Whoa. Complete removal anxiety, which was great. I mean, I was young. I was 15, 16, somewhere around there, I think. And I was just like, you don't need this anymore. <laughs> you got other stuff on your plate. You don't need doomsday. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> anxiety on it. So that was that was probably before my young adult life. That was probably the biggest, or the second biggest stepping stone. There was one before that, or after that, that happened. That was really kind of the selling point for me to be like, okay, I'm going to walk this path. Right, because if you were so disengaged from church as a kid, like, I don't have any friends here. The stories are fine, I guess, like, but I don't really care. I go because mom and dad make me, fine, like, take it or leave it. If there isn't some thing that connects you to it, if there isn't a significant moment or a revelation or a hope, a fear, a whatever, mm -hmm. to make it so that you want to pursue it yourself, it's very common to just give up on it, walk away, like I be disinterested with it and continue to not care about it. So yeah, really cool that you had a moment like that or a couple moments like that that were able to kind of trigger that, okay, hold on, maybe there's value here that I had not seen mm -hmm. yet in my tiny youth. <laughs> so that was, you said that was one of two significant yep. moments in your young life. What was the other one? Uh, the other one, so 18, uh, my dad been, had been remarried at this point and we were heading home uh, after doing renos, doing work and get a call from my stepmom. She's like, hey, pick up some Chinese food on the way home. And we're like, okay, like we're right at the bottom of the hill. We got to turn here. So we get to an intersection and he checks right, I check left, just instinctually. It's what I do when I'm in the passenger seat of a vehicle. If the person checks right, I check left, and then vice versa. The light turns green, and we check, and he starts to pull out. So I'm looking this way, he's looking the other way, and he, I hear, oh, crap. Oh, no. And we get T-boned. <sighs> my lady going about 
50 or 60. And I whip my head back because he says something negative and I'm like, crap. (laughs) I look, headlights didn't even dip. (sighs) I don't know if they were distracted, whatever the situation was. I never wasn't even trying to slow down. Yeah. We get T-boned. T-boned in air quotations because they hit our wheel well. Right. On dad driver's side. We both walk out. Thankfully. Amazing. Amazingly. Miraculous. Like my dad, I was totally fine. I mean, I was young. My dad later on, I think had a little bit of whiplash and some massage therapy, like nothing serious. He was totally fine. Uh, The lady was like her whole front end was like mushed in and she was alive and fine. She did need to be taken away by ambulance, but she recovered with no problems. But the crux of the story comes to the point where with the truck, because the truck was a lease. Oh. My dad wasn't most financially sound at this point in his life. And I was like, through past experiences, primarily involving my stepmother and how they met and how God brought them together, I was like living my faith through my dad. Okay. Which I think a lot of kids do. Sure. There's a time and a season for that. Yeah. A couple days later, he gets a call from the insurance company. They're like, truck's not a write-off. We had a person look at it. It's fine. You're going to have to pay repairs on it. And he was like, I can't financially do that. Like, it's not going to happen. So he was stressing about it. And I lo- remember looking at him and being like, just pray about it. And he looks right back at me and like dumbfounded. He's like, I'm like, all these other things, like you prayed for a wife that had, you know, these specific specifications, you know, like More or less. who she was, you her, know, character. Like her character, her morals, like all these things. You got exactly what you wanted. Hmm. You prayed for a house and you got exactly what you wanted. How's this any different? (laughs) (laughs) Your poor dad probably like... I wasn't even baptized at this point. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. And so he was just like, "Uh, yeah, I guess. (laughs) Right, thanks, son. Yeah, Yeah. uh uh-huh. Good point. Touche. And lo and behold, a day later, we went to go check it out at the mechanics. And we get up to the guy and he's, yeah, I can tell he's a little, still a little nervous. You know, my dad, he's like, I'm praying, I'm hoping, right? Get in there, total write-off. What? Oh, yeah, car, truck was done. What? Wheel wall totally smashed in. You could reach from underneath the driver's seat into the engine. Oh, my lanta. And the whole frame of the truck from front to back was twisted by about two inches. Total write-off. And the insurance company was trying to say it wasn't? Of course they are. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But yeah, total write off. And I just, I told him, there you go. (laughs) See that? You just had to pray about it. It's fine. And I mean, at that point I was like, okay, my words to him meant something. I had a part in that, in his faith, in being like, hey, you've done this. How is this any different from what you've done? Mm -hmm. I mean, in my personal experience, praying for a wife would be a lot more stressful than praying about a broken car. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would have a but, lot more. But a wife is like theoretical. A car and financial issues are in your face. That's true. So I totally get why he was like freaking out about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so at that point, I was kind of like, well, I mean, I may as well get baptized. So I got baptized. You're like, like I guess like this is pretty 18. legit. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess this is real. You know, it became real for me that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, okay, I'm on board. One last story from kind of that time was the breaking of my church. Mm. My whole life growing up, we had gone to a specific building. Not totally tied to the church itself. Something happened, some church politics. We sold the building primarily. It did something for me. Kind of associated the church with the building. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't really connect with the people there. Right. As much as I do now, like at our church. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our church has been. We're literally like nomadic right now, and it doesn't really matter because no. our church is the people. Yeah. It's it's definitely more about the people than that. Um, and so, I tried going back when they moved buildings and moved around a little bit, and it wasn't the same. Hmm. And personal stuff kind of started coming up in my life that you know reflecting back on my parents divorce my actions growing up things like that that I was just in turmoil about so from I think I think there was probably about a year or two maybe where I was trying to be active in the church after I got baptized and then after everything kind of moved I didn't really do anything with didn't it. connect didn't connect yeah there wasn't i mean i tried going to a couple other churches but going to a new church and not having a connection right away is tough oh yeah and trying to like wiggle your way in and be like hey these people are really cool you know you don't they don't either their walls don't let you in or your walls don't let them in and it's just doesn't mix yeah uh so i didn't go to church for probably five five years mm. but the one thing that did interest me, which is kind of where my young adult story starts, was camp. Yay, camp. Yay, camp. I was not a camp kid, <laughs> but I became a camp adult yep. instantly. Same here. One time. <laughs> I've also still never gone back, but I would. I like, nice. Yeah, I'm a camp person now. Yeah. Yeah. So 2011, my sister had noticed my AdSense from the church. And she was like, hey, I need a leader for camp. And I was like, come on, kids camp come on she was like you've been there i've been there a couple times when i was a kid i kind of knew the general scheme of things and so she was like you could do it. and i was like fine fine i'll take not a doing week. much else i'll take fine. a week and enjoy camp yeah i mean it's fresh air activities yeah. food someone else is cooking most of the time unless Campfires. you're helping camp fire. yeah it's great so went to camp for the first year uh met you and yep. amanda amanda I don't remember if you guys sold me on ABC. Did you guys do the pitch? Oh, we sure did a pitch. Did you? Did you? We were only paid. Okay, so I don't want to detract from your story, but for context for everyone else, 2011, the summer, me and a girl that I went to college with, Amanda, we were working for our college to go to high school camps around Alberta and BC to promote the college, and so we would only go to the high school camps. Like we'd be counselors, and we genuinely be volunteers for the camp and then at some point in the week do like a presentation about why our school was the bomb which i think it was so after being there for two years yes yes <laughs> yeah but we'll get to that part later too yep. um so yes we were there to just go to the high school camp for the one week and tell people about our college so yes yeah. that was that summer that was that week mm -hmm. yep. no. and that was i mean like for me that was pretty stressful my first experience you know i wasn't yeah, I wasn't confident. I also wasn't a part of the church really anymore um, from my own perspective. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm baptized, but like, whatever, what is the church? What is God? Blah. You had just gotten <laughs> your feet under you faith-wise and then had nothing to feed into you exactly. right at that season. So you're at this weird dichotomy of like, I totally believe it. I'm absolutely sold on it. And I've done nothing actively to grow in that area for the last three years. Yeah. So God camp. I was like, oh, I know this place, comfortable, a little bit comfortable here, had some good memories as a kid. And then I think like midweek, I think we were partnered up to do something. One of the, one of the deans was like, do a video. Oh, probably. Yes. And Slide. yeah. Mm -hmm. for some reason you bailed. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Was it because I smashed my fingers? Maybe. Yeah. I had like three sprained fingers. Yeah. Maybe it could have been something else. It could have been, been the I, three I can't remember what fingers. it was, but we were paired up to be leaders. My bad. And you bailed. Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> and I had a bunch of chaotic kids. And so I was trying to wrangle them. No idea what I'm doing. Oh, no. 
But ultimately, I thoroughly enjoyed going to camp. So I went like every year for the next four years. Wow. At this point, the only connection to the church I've had is camp. Right, over the last how So now how I'm many 24. Years? Yeah. It's the summer, 2014. Camp's coming up. The new dean seemed very enjoyable as a person. I communicated with him a little bit. Uh, seemed like a really cool dude. It was nice because he was younger-ish than the previous deans, but he was also a wild card, mm. which was a refreshing thing for me. He'd been a missionary in Haiti and just was a unique dude. About two weeks before camp happens, I'm biking back from work. I go to like pedal to some guy who like waves me across the street to let me go because he's turning and I'm like, thanks. So I stand up to like, you know, get my momentum going. As I stand up, my back tire comes off, which throws the balance of my bike off and it just throws me over the handlebars. Oh man. Try to roll it, land right on my shoulder and I feel something slip. Oh. And I'm like, crap, I dislocated my shoulder. Conveniently, my cousin was walking home, who was my roommate, and was like, oh, Bryce is coming home. Cool. Turns the corner, doesn't see me eat it. My other roommate, who was inside, looking out the window, said, came in and was like, man, I just saw somebody eat it on their bike. <laughs> and my cousin's like, that was Bryce. Crap. Oh, no. <laughs> so Get him. he runs out. They both run out to me. They get a car, take me to the hospital. Doctor comes up to me. And I, I told that it's like, I think I dislocated my shoulder. Yeah. My brother's done that. It, yeah. Yeah. It was not fun, but it yeah. was fine. And so he comes up to me. I'm kind of like standing around. He's like, so you think you dislocated your shoulder? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, look down. It's like swollen and like just this mass on my sh And he's like, does that look like a dislocation to you? And I'm like, judging by that question, no. And he was like, you've, you've broken your collarbone. Oh, and no. not just like a clean break. It was a Beretta break. A what? Which essentially means that this is your bone. I'm holding my hand up for the people in the podcast. And essentially it breaks multiple times and kind of fans out. Fans out. Okay. Yeah. For, so, yeah. For reference prices, spreading fingers apart, yeah. fanning motion of bone. So just... like multiple breaks on top of the major break. Oh my Lanta. And so he's like, you might need surgery. We're going to wait a week and we're going to see what happens. So I contact my sister and camp and I'm like, I just broke my collarbone. I, I can't sleep or breathe properly or stand oh. up properly. Turns out a week a week later, go in for an for an assessment, and they're like, "We don't need to do surgery." Yay! So I'm like, "Cool." Contact the camp. I, like, I don't need surgery. I can't do anything. Yeah, I can <laughs> barely breathe. Yeah. This will start healing, but not quickly. I yeah. had a friend who fell out of a loft climbing down a ladder and broke a collarbone, and yeah. it was pretty savage. Yeah, and so I was like, I I was like, I can come. I can't do anything, and they were like, "Come anyways." Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. We will take your presence. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Can't participate in any activities. I can kind of only talk to people. Supervise, cheer people on, have yeah. conversations with kids. My arm's in a sling the whole day and time. You could probably almost make a s'more. You could at least roast a singular I marshmallow. Could, I could. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I could do that. Yeah. So I just sit around and primarily talk with the dean. Uh, he's a talker. And I mentioned this guy earlier. He had just moved to Lumbee. So he was like, man, you know, I just got to this church. He doesn't know me at all. Doesn't know your story. Doesn't know my story. Yep. Knows absolutely nothing about me. He's like, I'm just looking for a guy. Doesn't have a family. Doesn't have a girlfriend. Doesn't have a relationship. You know, doesn't have a, like a career that he's on. Not tied down. Not tied down. Totally free. Totally open to come to Lumbee and work with me. Doing church stuff. Like somebody he can mentor, essentially. I'm sitting there. Broken collarbone. I can't leave. I can't do anything. I can't get distracted. I can't. 
I am freaking out because this guy is describing me to a T. Yeah. Unattached, not really committed to anything right yeah. now, interested in church, but yeah. And God was like, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, who's that voice? Shh, I don't know that voice. Shh, 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 and so, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I mean, my disposition was like, I'm going to live in Kelowna for like the rest of my life. Like, I love it here. I did not love it there. Um, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I'm freaking out the whole week. The Holy Spirit is just... Just hammering on me. Just getting you. Yep. Totally. And I think midweek, I tell Jasmine about it, my sister. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, I mean, like, what are you going to do? <laughs> Give you like, the I'm big sister <laughs> side eye. Like, yeah. uh, come on, yeah. bro. I'm like... Uh -huh. I'm going to ignore it. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. I don't want to... Pretty much. I mean, I did. I tried. <laughs> yeah, you always do. You got to yeah. put in a good effort yeah, first. Yeah, I, I definitely try. And like every song that was oh, played, no. like... It, I, it just everything was just like directed at me no. and i was like like if so will i was a worship song oh back then you're yeah. just 100 <laughs> percent. um so at the end of the week i'm like all right freaking know what to do with this calling that's been placed on me yeah like this has been totally outside my plan for my life which i mean is normal for god yes like hi you have something ha ha well so I talked to the only person that had any information about this kind of stuff that I would know, which is my dad. Mm. And I was like, I was like, hey, let's go for lunch. And I was like, listen, this is what's happening. I was like, this, I've never experienced anything like this. It feels like I'm standing in a river and it's going a specific direction and I need to go with it. And he was like, do it. <laughs> it's like, answer the call. God is calling you to something. Go mm. for it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Love your dad. Yeah. What a guy. Um. So I was like, okay, sure, I guess I'll go. So I drove back to camp and there was a specific song that I always forget the name of. It's by Sidewalk Prophets. Okay. It's about Jesus being on the cross and essentially him calling out and forgiving people. Specifically at one point, it's like the Roman in the crowd that's like crying because of what he's done. And God's like, I forgive you for what you've done kind of thing. Like, even though you didn't know. You love me anyway yes yeah okay yep. so sidewalk prophets you love me anyway yeah you were driving to family camp i was driving to family camp from Kelowna, so it's about an hour and a half i don't remember most of that drive from Kelowna to camp right and this song comes on this song is on relatively often but it starts off on there and this song had been dropped a couple times throughout the week and every time i would like it came up i would just like hold myself back mm. from breaking into open tears oh, but no. now i'm alone Oh no! Driving in, car. in the car, man. Cars are good cry spots. <laughs> and so it just all comes up. Wow! And I'm driving and driving, just like weeping the whole t like I'm the whole hour and a half of driving. Oh. I am crying. Just wept. Yeah. And at some point, closer to the camp, it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm walking this path now. Mm. But I'm not like in, at that point. I was like, I'm not worthy to walk this path. And he was like, I don't care. And I was like, okay. And in that moment, I had taken the first step on a path that was like, regardless of the way that my life goes, I will be a Christian. It doesn't matter if I'm not doing great in my faith. I'm not walking, you know, I'm not praying. I'm not doing things that are really engaging my faith. Doesn't matter how I'm doing. I will be a Christian. You know, I've made this choice specifically to walk this path and I'm going to regardless of everything else that's happening in my life. And so I did. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and have since. After that, you know, I got to camp. 
waited until the pastor from Lumbee, Shane, was coming up to camp because he wasn't actually there for that week, but he was bringing a bunch of kids up for a day and night on Wednesday because they were having a big campfire night in potluck. And so I was like, I kind of out of the blue for him too. He like like I said, he didn't know me. He didn't know my story. He you had not let on. The I had, Holy I had, Spirit was destroying you over this. Yeah, not a single thing. And I told walked up to him and I was like, I'm your guy. And he was like, What? I was like, I'll move to Lumbee. I'll work with you in the church. And he was like, Give me a second. I need to grab my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so he went and grabbed his wife, and they're both like really strong in the faith, like really amazing people. And you know, they were like. Thinking about it, they were like, oh man, this guy would have been, they'd be perfect. No, he's no, there's no way he's going to do it. Like, we don't Before know him at this, all. They Before this, like, they had kind of like yeah. met me a little bit and like talked about it, but they were like, we don't know him. We don't know what's going on in his life. Nothing, no clue. And then I dropped it on them and they were like, uh, okay, perfect, great. You like, were kind of on our hearts anyway. Yeah, I, like, we didn't think you, okay. Yeah. Total answer to prayer. Wow. So, I mean, after that week, you know, that was a good week. You know, it kind of, it, it calmed down from there. Right. For a little while. Yeah. You knew the like, change was coming, but it was like a, you had resigned yourself to the change yeah. at this point. So you can sort of rest a little bit with your broken collarbone. And yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, great. Had fun at camp and just was like getting ready to move to Lumbee, which wasn't a huge move. But in my mind, I was like, I have a broken collarbone and I'm moving to a, a ranching town. Oh my goodness. And living with a family I know nothing about. Well, and you're stepping out regardless. Like, I remember even when I moved out of my parents' house for the first time, I moved 10 minutes down the road, <laughs> a 10-minute drive, but that was not the point. The point was the Lord was like, I'm going to do a thing, and I need you to be in different circumstances for me to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter that I was 10 minutes away from my parents most of the time. The call was still so intimidating. Yeah. So I moved to Lumbee. This family, they are an amazing family. Uh, it's them. Uh, they have two sons and then two daughters that they adopted from Haiti. Uh, I spent about a year in Lumbee, uh, learning under Shane, pretty much just hanging out with him every day at the church, uh, being a part of the church, and just lived in Lumbee for a year. Right. So that year in Lumbee was sort of the first step in your journey of okay, Lord, I don't know what you have planned for my life, but I'm just going to roll with it. But that's not where you stayed. Eventually. Eventually, next year came around. I was working at the camp as an employee. And this time, you know, every year that I'd gone, there'd always been an ABC representative. Then this time around, you know, they, again. Do our spiel. Do your spiel. But this time they had somebody else. My pastor, Shane, he'd gone to ABC as well. So he was there. His best friend from college was also there because he'd heard about me from Shane and was like, I want this guy. And I was like, okay, like, sure. I'll think about it. About going to ABC. Going to ABC. Yeah. And at this point I was like, I don't know anything about my faith. Like I grew up in the church. I know the stories, but I don't know anything about it. So I was like, I need to, I need to educate myself. Like, yeah, I could do it here in Lumbee. But also like, again, I felt like I was standing in that river and it was moving in a direction. And I was like, okay. Sure. <laughs> um, let's swim. All right. Let's, yeah, let's, let's float let's down. Let's float go. Down. Let's just float with it. Near the end of the week, I was like, all right, if I'm going to go, I need two things. I need a job and I need a place to live before I go. Mike looked at me and was like, I already have both. And I was like, 
okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to say that like with your yeah. dad? Like, oh, I want a wife with blah, 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 blah. Like, okay. I yeah, just pray about it. You're like, okay, I can do it, but I'm putting like conditions on it. And yeah. they're like, conditions met. What are you going to say now, punk? You're yeah. like, mm, nothing, I guess. Fine. Yeah. I was like, okay, sure. Great. Uh, perfect. So I was like, I guess I'm going. To Calgary to go to Alberta Bible College. Yep. Yep. Applied for student loans because that's a thing. Yep. Um, and two of my friends came with me as well. Had a lot of healing experiences at the college. It was very good. Eventually found our current church. God did a lot of work in me. Mm. I had a lot, still have a lot of things I'm learning. And But for me, it was really strange and intimidating because this group focused on this Holy Spirit, which growing up and even the year I spent in Lumbee, I didn't experience that much. I experienced it the first time on my drive. Well, first time when I was a kid. Yeah. With the prayer. Yeah. And then the next time was the drive. The cry drive. Did a cry drive. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of it. And so I was like, okay, uh, sure, let's do this. For probably what? Uh, three years? Yeah. It was just shell shock after shell shock. Yeah. Rocking my world of really understanding who the Holy Spirit is. And breaking down walls, breaking and... down walls and hiding behind other ones that hadn't <laughs> been broken down yet and <laughs> so on and so forth and so on and so forth and all this stuff. I I wanted to ask, and I don't know if it's like too far of a tangent, but I, you went quickly through the childhood faith struggles experience with church and and a lot of your young adult story is a very powerful one, one that I, you know, want to spend a lot of time talking about. But you kind of just casually mentioned, and then my parents split up in my formative years, and there was a huge falling out <laughs> with the church. And I'm like, I mostly, I guess, just want to know, like, yeah, what was that experience like for you? Like, what, what did that do to those formative years? Did that breaking up of your parents and then essentially like pseudo rejection kind of from the church what kind of impact did that have on your faith and faith development i don't think it really i never addressed until much later in my life how god was there for me in those situations um which is interesting to think about it's it's weird because i experienced i don't know it's not a counseling session it was a it was a very charismatic thing that i did like really like biblical, like uh, we're going to come over you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to anoint you with oils. I mean, I smelled great after that. Nice. Um, Love me some essential oils. It was a very interesting experience because I was asked a lot of really tough questions about that time. So when I was almost 16, about two weeks before I turned 16, my parents split up. Happy birthday. Yep. And I was not told. My sisters were. Uh, They decided that they were going to not tell me. (laughs) Which was a mistake. Yeah, I think um, so. Because I walked in on it. I was, uh, for those of uh, our generation, I was heading to Blockbuster. Yes, <laughs> to, Blockbuster! To return a video game I was playing. I walked out of my room and I had kind of, in the background, heard my parents having an argument. I wasn't, it didn't appear to be severe. So I wasn't thinking anything of it. So I just walked out of my room. It was like, it's not a big deal. Came out to my dad saying, if you want to find your own place, that's fine. And I was like, sorry. Keska what? Yep. And I was like, sorry, this is a serious conversation. I'm just going to leave. Just going to go to Blockbuster. So I left, went down the elevator and it hit me what was going on. Hmm. 
and the elevators opened up my sister my not my oldest sister but my middle sister was there with her boyfriend and i was just like i started crying and she was like what's going on why is my brother <laughs> crying in an elevator yeah um and so you know i was like mom and dad are getting divorced and she was like uh yeah I, okay okay it's, he knows now and so that was bad yeah and i didn't i didn't deal with it i mean i'm a young guy I was a young guy at the time. Like, I'm not going to deal with my emotions very well. <laughs> I probably dealt with my emotions better than most people my age, mm -hmm. but even still. And how do you, you don't know how to deal with your emotions. Exactly. Like, unless you have someone walking you through that, you, yeah. you probably can barely identify them at that time. Like, yeah. Like my dad is a counselor heart. Like he, that's, he went to school to go do that. Didn't end up following through with it, but that is what he does. Uh, and so he helped me but didn't actually counsel me because he was like, I'm part of the problem. Yeah, of course. Because we split up. And so I can't, I can't be the one to try to fix this because I'm part of the problem. Yeah, you won't be able to honestly express how mad you are at your parents if I am the parent that you're trying to express that to. Like, exactly. that's just, it's just not gonna yeah. go. So through this time, you know, they were talking about things and they were doing things and we got to the actual prayer and anointing of oils. And they were like, go back to the time where you left your room and you found out your parents were getting divorced and i was like okay i'm there crying <laughs> yeah of course um and they asked me where's jesus yeah and i was like he's leaning up against the wall beside the door looking at my parents and crying <laughs> yeah oh. and they were like, okay, continue forward. What what happens next? And I was like, I leave. God doesn't say anything. He just walks with me. He just walks with me. That's all he does. Is he just stands beside me, hangs out in silence with me. And that was huge. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not going to cry on the podcast. I'm not going to cry on the <laughs> Yeah, and that was, uh, I mean, that was an incredible thing. And I remember one other really cool thing that came out of that was uh, they were like, you know, like try to create your own space where you can connect with God. And, you know, I feel they were like, we feel like he wants to say something to you. He wants to show you something. And, you know, I was in the moment. I was, my emotions were high. I was, I was in the zone. And one really cool thing was that, you know, I was in a, a white expanse. It's the only thing I could describe it as where the ground was white, but there was kind of like an outline of gray and the sky was kind of gray white as well. And I was just there for a little while. And then all of a sudden a great shadow came over me. And the words that were said to me were, you will be under the light of my shadow. Hmm. Which was very interesting because you think about a shadow is not it's light. Not light, yeah. But with him and in that moment, there was enveloped in light, but I was protected. Mm. The shadow was covering. It was a covering, but it, was, it wasn't it was dark. It was bright. Yeah. It was bright. Uh, it was a very beautiful metaphor and a very profound image that is always up here that is just like stuck with me. Mm. But And I mean, through young adults, you know, we did a book series. Wild at Heart and yes. Captivating, Captivating by John and Stacey Eldridge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Wild at Heart was very good read for me. So, and I learned a lot about 
myself through that. It was very cool. And in fact, I actually went back to BC and had a serious conversation with both my mom and my dad. And it was like, these are the things that you did wrong. I have forgiven you, but these were the bad things. Mm. These were the times you weren't there for me. These were these things, so on and so forth. And it was great. I mean, I've never had a bad relationship with my mom, even after the, the split. Like, I never did. Yeah. Like, You're a very nice, forgiving, kind person. And so unless someone's really, really unkind to you intentionally, yeah. I think it'd be pretty hard to, from my experience with you over the last decade, like, I think it'd be, you'd be pretty hard pressed to start being, like, really at odds with a specific individual. I don't think there's anybody that I'm really, like, there's people I'm, like, besties with yeah, yeah but like the most part it's like if i like you i like you and i'm probably gonna forgive you for most of the things that happen yeah or <laughs> just not spend as much time with you and move yeah. on and let and it go because you're very amicable yeah, yeah totally like, i'd rather just move on from the thing than have it harbor it and, and yeah, yeah it's like there's no reason for it but yeah, yeah. so you uh, didn't have a bad relationship yeah with but, your mom but you know there was some some tension and you know having the conversation with her it's like this is what i've learned i still have these wounds and these pains from this situation and you were the cause but i have chosen to forgive you of that and move on mm -hmm. like i will continue to have to deal with these things but i might come to you and talk to you about them because i still trust you and i still love you wow right same thing with my dad my dad had a lot of problems I i've talked him up I've definitely talked him up in the podcast or this episode, but he had, uh, he had a lot of problems, especially around this age that I am currently. Mm. And he didn't deal with them until then. And so it caused a lot. And he was married and started having kids when he was like 20. Yeah. You have the benefit of being single while you deal with this yeah. stuff. So you're dealing with it solo more or less yeah. in community. In but, community. Yeah. yeah but, but I don't not. have a family to take care of at the same time. Yeah. You're not. Your, your everyday actions and feelings do not directly impact. Exactly. Too many other people. Yeah. Yeah. So and same thing. You know, we had a lot of conversations. Still do. And like that's kind of it for that. And I love that you're able to see, I love two things. One, that you're able to see both sides. Like, yes, of course, my parents were flawed, broken humans, as we all are. And they mm -hmm. did their best. And their best definitely wasn't always enough um, because they're human. And that they were also loving, kind, often giving supportive parents when they could be. And I love that you had the kind of relationship that you were able to go talk to them mm -hmm. about that stuff. Because I can definitely recognize that not everyone will be able to reconcile with the people that have hurt them, whether that's their parents or other. Yeah. And so it's just really lovely to hear a story where, yep, there was definitely hurts. Yep, you're definitely going through a healing journey. And also you were able to say to their face, like, hey, this was really hard. And I mean, I assume they probably took credit, apologized, <laughs> and you were like, and I forgive oh, yes. you for that, you know? And yeah. and so that's that's a huge blessing because, you know, my mom and dad would be the same but that's not everyone's story and no. so it's nice to know that that you know can happen like you can forgive anyway yeah. I, we've talked about that i mean i'm only on episode like six or seven and that comes up a ton oh, yeah. um shock shock of all shocks yeah i just it's nice to hear that not only were you able to have forgiveness and healing but in your case you were able to have reconciliation yes, which is them, rare which I is feel. rare yeah the actual rebuilding of relationship with those people doesn't always ha it's not always safe to happen so no. it it's yeah. not always wise or prudent to yeah. reconcile directly but in your case especially with parents which can be such important people in your life to be able to have forgiveness and move towards reconciliation and relationship is 
awesome. Yeah. Like I play D and D with my mom. Yeah. She plays a, uh, a ranger that hates giants. Love you play with your mom. Yeah. I've meant to ask everybody who does a testimonial style episode, these same questions. And I think I forgot, but I wanted to maybe just quickly discuss how the church maybe supported you well either currently or when you were a child because i guess Mm -hmm. you've got kind of those two distinct church journeys and maybe where the church could have been better like what specifically might have made an impact or a difference on your experience back then i think back when i was younger the church did its best to get me involved and interested in church um you know there was a lot of classes where i was the only person learning but at the same time it's like i'm teaching one kid who is not fully invested in, or interested in what's going on unless it happens to be about, you know, a sword fight or some Old Testament story that's a little too brutal. There's a couple of those, yeah, but not <laughs> you know, enough to maybe keep you engaged forever. Exactly. I, th- I feel like I've experienced this a lot. You know, the church focuses on the kids that are the most impressionable. Uh, at least my church did. Um, the ones they think will be the most impacted or the ones that show yeah. the most interest, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. My church wasn't is good at looking for the lost sheep. Hmm. That wasn't kind of their thing. There were a lot of old people that were very fundamental. Yeah. So Um, they just came, showed up, did church, went home, and you were kind of left high and dry a little? Pretty much. Yeah. So in your church experience, it was kind of a tricky spot because they probably did the best they could at the time. They were going off the information, the faith that they had. It wasn't their fault per se that the demographics just weren't there and that you were a kid that had wildly different interests than what they could provide in that immediate moment. So all, all things said and done, they kind of did the best they could. And you know, the Lord had to kind of find you a little bit later and take you down a path where you could get connected and rooted a bit later basically yeah what did that church what have they done really well like if you were like oh yeah all churches should be more like blank yeah um one thing that the old church did for me that i really appreciate uh is that when i me and lachlan were going to haiti they supported us Hmm. financially which was a good blessing they were definitely like oh our kids these people that were raised in our church are going out to do something Let's come together and do something for them so wow. that they can do it. And I thought that was really great. They saw an opportunity for you to put some feet on your faith and get engaged. Yep. And they were like, we want to support that option. Yep. I mean, like like at that point, I, I hadn't been to that church in a couple of years. I mean, I still knew the people that were going there. Even still, they were like, you know what? This guy was raised here. Like he was raised a part of this community. We know who he is. Like, yeah, he's going to do other things and he's struggled but we want to support him anyways because now he's walking this path and we want to be there for him. So we talked a lot about, you know, your church experiences kind of across the spectrum. And like I said at the very beginning, we've had the opportunity to do ministry together. And one of the main ministries that we've been involved with is mentoring other young adults and hosting young adult spaces for them. If you could give yourself any advice back then if you were a young adult listening to this, or if you were yourself listening to this back at 22, 23, 24, what would you say to past you? Like I said, you know, I'm walking this path and I've chosen to walk it. You know, other people that are struggling with their faith have come to me and they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, choose. Yep. You know, like it's hard. Life is tough. It sucks. 
there's financial problems, there's emotional problems, there's health problems, health problems relational it, problems. It, the problems will not stop. Yeah. It is how you choose to walk that will impact your disposition and outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Generally, my unstressed disposition is because I just trust. Yeah. God's proven too many times in my life that he has my back. Yes. And I can't deny it. Yeah. Even if somebody was came to me with a paper and was like, God is dead. I would be like, cool. Sorry, man. Yeah. Like, too bad. <laughs> enjoy that. Yeah. I'm. This is the path I walk. Yeah. Was there any advice that you received in those formative years that was really impactful for the journey that led you here? I wouldn't say tangible advice. I would say watching my dad grow up, <laughs> which I know sounds odd, but in the time when I was 10-ish to the time that I was 20, he went through a lot. He went through a divorce, a, a remarriage. Divorce, a remarriage. He went from poverty to very success. Um, he went through the ringer. <laughs> I was there beside him through it, and I went through my own stuff, but he kept going. There was lots, and I know from talking with him, there were days when he was like, I don't want to keep going. Mm. Like, it would just be easier to give up, and I've had those myself. Same with you, probably. Like, everybody's had those days. No one's alone in that. But just being able to walk beside him, like, that was probably the best example I've had. Mm. Was like, man, my life is crappy right now. Man, it's bad. But I believe in God, and I believe that he can change things. So regardless of my disposition currently, and regardless of what life is throwing at me, I'm going to keep walking this path. And I think that's probably where I learned it was from my dad. Mm -hmm. So then maybe one of the takeaways from that is that if you are someone who's like a church leader, an individual, wherever you are in life, maybe don't fuss so much about saying the right things or giving the best advice because so much more of the impact of your life and your experience and the impact that you can have on others is just to live the best way you know how and let your experience and let the witnessing of what you do and how you live your life speak for itself and be the example with which someone coming up behind you, whether that's literally in age or in experience or in a situation, can watch, learn, grow, and be inspired by the example that your life basically is. Exactly. People especially these days, don't pay attention to your words. They pay attention to your actions and a lot more anyways. And how you make them feel. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks, Bryce. You're very welcome. Glad you could make it and Mm -hmm. share. Yeah, a good chunk of your story because I think that I've heard a lot of those pieces individually, but, you know, the chronological brain in me loves hearing them all strung together and remembering who all the key players were. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's sort of almost like even when you read the Bible where you could read the same story a bunch of times and something new will pop out every time. And so I feel like even though, you know, because we've traveled in the same circles for this long now, you hear the same stories, but they always hit a little bit different or there'll be one thing that you just worded slightly different and it makes it means something completely different. Yeah. You know, every time you say it. That's a great part about growing. Yeah. New language, new experiences, new... New knowledge. New ways of sharing it. Yep. Totally. Thanks for listening to Uncanonical. 
If you have any questions or want to get a hold of us, you can email uncanonicalpodcast at gmail.com, find us on Instagram at uncanonicalpodcast, and to find all our new episodes, head to kinshipconference.com slash podcast.